Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey guys, just want to take a second to talk to you a bit about Game Time. If you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard us talk about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I was looking at the app the other day, actually. I was thinking about buying some Blue Jackets tickets, and the thing that I like the most about using the app is that when you click on the available tickets, it actually shows you a view of where the, the seats are, so you kind of get a feel for your sight lines how you would be viewing the game or the concert or whatever you're going to before you actually purchase the tickets to make sure that's the kind of section you want to sit in. I thought that was pretty cool. Now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you need to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account. Then under the Billing section, redeem code The Athletic. Use The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money for tickets to concerts, sports, all types of shows. Credit is only available for the first 1,000 people who use this code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, just a couple weeks from now, so make sure you move quick and score those last-minute tickets. culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to the latest edition of 4-6 with A&B. I'm here with Bill Landis, and the season ended last night with Ohio State losing to Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl 29-23. Him and I were in the bowels of the stadium after the game. We both were kind of in shock. It was an odd game. Uh, Ohio State had a chance to win the game. Um, some controversial calls, some missed opportunities. There's a lot to unpack there, Bill. Um, after a what I think was a terrible night of sleep for you, I'm assuming. Uh, what I actually slept all right. You did? Yeah. Yeah, what, I slept all right. Because we got back at the hotel around 2 in the morning, and you hadn't finished your story yet, so I don't know if you're uh, – Yeah, I got to bed around uh, 4, woke up at like uh, 9.30. It's good. Solid, solid five. That's all you need, yeah. a solid five. Yeah. Um, but just after everything resonated, our stories are up. Um, conversations had been had. Uh, you know, what what is the lasting impression that you're going to have from this game? Hmm. The lasting impression that I'll have from this game is that it was very weird. Um, I think the lasting impression that a lot of Ohio State fans will have will be anger. And I don't know if that's ever going to dissipate because – I, I always hate going down the road like they should have won. Like they should have won, they should have won. And and it's not only it's not only the perceived uh, bad calls from the officials, and I think some of them were worse than others. And I thought some of them were were right by the by the letter of the rule. Um, it's that Ohio State 
even with that, had plenty of chances to win and got three field goals in the red zone instead of uh, any touchdowns. Um, I thought had a questionable decision to go block a punt that extended a drive. Like there was, there was just stuff they could have done. Uh, there were injuries that were working against them. I thought the run game took a turn once J.K. Dobbins got hurt. Justin Fields obviously wasn't 100%, though I thought he played pretty well despite the two interceptions. So um, I think anger is probably the word that carries the day, and, and I think that's okay as, as long as the anger is not just about we got screwed by the refs, um, as, as long as that's an all-encompassing thing about calls going against you and, and the fact that, that you know it was still there for the taking and, and Ohio State quite couldn't pull it out. I think anger is the natural response because anger is a defense mechanism for heartbreak heartbreak at times. Because I do think that both of us, the way we've covered this team this year, we knew that this team was special from the beginning. I think ever since the Cincinnati game, that's when the light clicked for me. I don't know when it did for you, but yeah, I thought that this time. this team was and is. It's it's even weird to talk about them in the in the past tense now, but was good enough to win a national championship this year. And if you take away all of the bad ref calls. Ohio State shot itself in the foot and if you put all the bad calls or the questionable calls I I think is a better way of putting it Mm -hmm. back into the pot they still had the ball at the 23 yard line with 40 seconds left to go win that football game and I think the the, the hardest thing that it's going to take for Ohio State fans to get over is the fact that I think that it's easy to say they should have won I agree with you I mean before the Sean Wade penalty they they kicked their ass up and down that field yep you know, for for the first half there, I, I thought, I mean, I leaned over to you in the second quarter and I said, do you think this is going to get carried away? Remember that? I thought yes. that there was a chance that this was going to turn into a blowout, you know, and maybe, you know, had they scored a touchdown um, one other time or, you know, at least two other times that they were in the red zone those three times, it could have been 24, 27 or 28 to nothing. And at that point, I don't care how good Clemson is, Ohio State wasn't going to blow a 27 point lead. So... I think the idea of this whole thing is is that on a Saturday when LSU made a laugher of the first game, this kind of felt to me like the real national championship. Now, I'm not saying that whoever won was going to win against LSU, but this felt like a national championship type atmosphere. And when you um, think about why we were so excited to cover this game and why fans were so excited to watch it, it was because for the first time, we got a litmus test of where Ohio State was on the national perspective because you got a chance to see them against the best. Yep. And to me, for a large portion of that game, Ohio State looked like they were the best. And I think that's the hardest thing to get over. On a night where everything seems to have been lost, I feel more affirmed in my thought process of how good I thought this team was. Yeah, I agree. And it's like it's not to, to try to find some sort of consolation prize for Ohio State fans, but if you were wondering, you know, I, I don't know how much I was wondering, but – I think there were some questions out there about just how good this Ohio State team was, I guess we should say now, because throughout the entire season there were conversations about, well, is this one of the best Ohio State teams ever? Because we knew the collection of talent and the way they had beaten everybody they played up until Saturday night led you down that road. And it got on the field against a Clemson team that's now looking to go 30-0 and with back-to-back national championships. Isn't the most talented team if you do it on paper, but but it is an all-time great team that Ohio State went on the field against on Saturday night, and I agree with you. I, I thought Ohio State did look like the better team um, for long stretches of that game. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, is a is a freak, and he played a great game. Uh, he didn't pick Ohio State apart, but he played a great game, and he made plays when he had to. Clemson's got really good skill people, but but I think Ohio State was every bit the equal, if not better, than Clemson. 
and, and it lost the game it should have won. So I don't know if you take solace in, in the fact, maybe it makes it even worse that, that Ohio State had an all-time great team that now doesn't finish the season with a national championship, and part of that's its own fault. Most of it's its own fault, I think. Although I will say that I thought Ohio State did respond pretty well to what could have been multiple crushing emotional blows from some of those officiating decisions. Which ones? Losing Sean Wade. like I know that Because the, I thought that that one took a while. It took a while from the comeback to that one. And, and, you know, the whole quarter, I'm, maybe. Clemson, all every every decision that was made that Ohio State fans are going to be angry about for eternity led to something good happening for Clemson. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm, I am saying that all those things piling up on each other, like you could have just sort of wilted under the, well, we're playing two, we're playing two teams tonight. We're playing Clemson, we're playing the refs, and like we can't win. And I thought Ohio State on the whole had a pretty good response. Like in the moments, of course, Clemson, like those were game-changing plays, and then Clemson was in the game because of it. But I, I was impressed a little bit with Ohio State's resolve, if you want to call it that. I agree with and, that. And responding on the whole to those situations and still being in a position at the end to win the game. They had the ball down six at the 23-yard line with more than enough time to score a touchdown and had Chris Olave run the correct route or they didn't have that miscommunication. Um, they could that, that might have been there. It looked like, you know, from my vantage point, the post was there. And, I you know, I don't know. You never know what would have happened. But they your, your point is taken because – the fact of the matter is is that even though there are five or six different instances in this game that you can point to and say, well, if this didn't happen, what if? Ohio State still had the ball 23 yards away from the win after all yeah. of it. Yeah, and they marched for for a touchdown to take the lead. Uh, Twenty was a 23-21 after they had the, the scoop and score taken off the board. And that was – I mean, that was – the Sean Wade ejection and what happened after it, I think – I don't know if I'll ever see a bigger momentum swing in a game the rest of my time covering college football. Mm-hmm. But then taking the scoop and score off the board was pretty damn big too. And I, I like that was the one – that was the one of all the calls that went against Ohio State. That was the one that I thought they got wrong. And you want to know what's most ironic about that? In the moment, I thought it was right. Like when, really? when like watching it in real time, I'm like, there's no way they're going to let that thing stand. Yeah. You know, and after you watch the replay, it makes you go, eh, maybe it should have. Um, but to me, I think that the reason why the Sean Wade one was more dramatic and I think it, it took Ohio State longer to respond to it is because, A, it was a call that extended a drive and mm-hmm. it turned into a constant touchdown. They yep. were off the field if that was just a sack. And two, whenever you remove a first round draft pick from the back end of a defense that has a lasting impression both physically because of how you want to play the game with with that man on the field but emotionally for a team that lost somebody that they've been working with day in and day out for the past three years that culminate to that moment yeah like I feel terrible for Sean Wade I feel bad for the team um you know but that's it's a, it's a fickle game, man, and that's that's the way it goes. So I don't know how much time you want to spend talking about that um, targeting call. Andy Staples wrote a really awesome story, um, has the rules in there, and you know, technically speaking, it was the right call. Um, he did hit him with the crown of his helmet. Um, I think that the application of that rule needs to be looked at, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know if you wanted to spend any time diving into it because I think the one point I want to make is – and then you tell me if I'm nuts, but in a moment where fans are outraged because uh, a bad call was made or a questionable call was made and somebody was ejected from the football game, I was thinking about like how many hours Sean Wade spent lifting weights and watching film and spending time with his teammates and getting his body right and eating healthy and all the stuff and the, the grueling 
course of being a student athlete mm-hmm. to build to the culmination of this moment. And not only was that taken away from him because he was just trying to play hard, it was taken away from him on a play where it's like, what else could he have possibly done? Yeah. You know, and, and to me, it's like, if that's the rule, that's the rule. You have to enforce it the way the rule is. But I think this should be and may, might be the poster child for an amendment to that rule because there was nothing malicious. And if you go look at the first game, Bookie Radley Hiles, did you see that mm-hmm. one? Yep. A lot of people saw that was like, yeah, get out. Yep. He launched his body into the upper body of a blinded person that wasn't even in the play and knocked his head off. To me, that's the application of the rule. And sacking somebody that is five or six inches taller than you who leans down to brace himself for the hit, you know, again, right call, terrible rule. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I, I, it's, it's, I guess you get into, uh, I don't know if dangerous territory is the right word, but when you're trying to judge intent, but I think anybody, any reasonable person who watched that play would say that Sean Wade was not trying to hit Trevor Lawrence with his helmet in the helmet. It just like, it happened that way. It was a bang, bang play. It was coming on a blitz. Trevor Lawrence ducked and Sean Wade hit him with the crown of his helmet. And, and by the letter of the law, that's, that's targeting, I suppose. But, um, I think there needs to be levels to it. I think you need to have some room for nuance and something like that because, um, you want to see the best players on these biggest stages play, and, and Ohio State lost Sean Wade, who, like you said, is a first round pick. Likely first round pick is is who I think is the most important player on their defense. And, and credit to Ohio State's defense, I think, for still playing well after Sean Wade went out of the game. Um, but I, I think it's a good point you make about all the time and effort these guys put in. Sean Wade was playing hurt; like he, we saw him all week in practice. He had a wrap on his leg. He got injured um, in the Penn State game. And I think like played through it against Michigan and against Wisconsin and was still playing through it against Clemson and was putting his body on the line and got taken off the field by something that was not totally out of out of his control, but mostly out of his control because he was just playing football and it was and it was caught. In a bad and it's just spot. like it's weird because of the, the what it was too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a tackle on a on a crossing route; like it was a sack. It was a sack. You don't yeah. really see that very often because you know helmet to helmet is that is that thing. But you know it's funny because. You made this point, and I agree with it. You want to try to take judgment calls out of it as much as possible. But I think by stripping the refs from judgment calls to protect the rule, it has made it impossible for them to look at the game the way it's being played and make a decision that every rational person at home could understand was not malicious. It's like you don't want to add the idea of – putting that on the ref's shoulders to decide what is malicious and what isn't. And I understand that rationale, but by doing so, you're also stripping him of the ability to look at the play in context and make a reasonable yeah. call about the, you know, cause now Sean Wade's done probably like he's going to the NFL and this I would, last, I would be surprised if that was not his last game. Last lasting impression is being carted off the field. Like he just committed a crime, um, you know, you know, off the, it just, it, it was a very, unfortunate play for Ohio State but like you said there were so many opportunities for this team to win that football game and for the most part I thought at least for the first 23 minutes of the game they looked bigger stronger faster they were hitting harder they looked more determined I thought that they were gonna I honestly thought Ohio State was going by 20 uh, and yeah the, the the you you leaned over to me and said is this going to turn into a blowout and I said I'm not sure because they, they weren't finishing drives and that was another thing that, that 
with a little bit of hindsight, I think I viewed differently because at the time, and I might have tweeted this, I said something to the effect of like, Ohio State's had nine plays in the red zone and six of them have been passes or something, or, or eight of them have been passes, something along those lines. And Ohio State had been running the ball really well to start the game. And I think you and I both thought that that was going to be the way the game went. And it was bearing out that way at the beginning. Ryan Day called pretty good plays. Um, that wheel route that Dobbins ended up not catching all the way through, I thought was a good call. They dialed up that screenplay at the perfect time, and Dobbins just didn't catch it. Like those were two touchdowns on pass plays in the red zone that that Ohio State just didn't execute to the fullest. So I, I'm a little less um, um, critical of the play calling in the red zone early in the game because Ohio State did have opportunities to score if they would have just followed through and executed the play, but. I don't think you just can't you can't play for field goals against Clemson and you definitely can't give Clemson chances to get back into the game like going after a block punt and, and extending a drive. And I, and I wrote this in my final thoughts and uh, those will be published later on Sunday. Um, but there's one play in particular that stands out to me that isn't being written about and isn't being discussed in terms of a game changing play. And you might call you're going to look at me maybe and you're going to call me an idiot and maybe I deserve to be called an idiot, but. J.K. had 141 yards rushing in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. He passed the Vegas over-under of 125 for the game in the first quarter. Scored on a 68-yard touchdown. And I don't remember exactly when he might have banged up his ankle. But on his second second quarter, his second run, the 64-yarder where he got behind Clemson's defense and was caught from behind, mm-hmm. we were all making comparisons to his – I was at least – with the first run he had, and he had an Ezekiel Elliott-type quarter when it mattered the most. And I think that if he would have ran that second one in and not – when you get behind a defense as a running back, you score, they might have scored a touchdown there instead of a red zone. And I think that would have put him up 17 nothing instead of 13 nothing. And I think the statement and the blow that it would have been to give up two 65, 64-plus-yard runs um, for a touchdown would have been much more – hard for Clemson to come off the mat from that and instead they caught him from behind they held him to a field goal and um, you know they felt good about themselves after that drive and I just think it's two twofold one JK had already rushed for more yards than you know anybody could have expected in one quarter Um, he was banged up a little bit he was probably gassed from what he had done earlier I'm not saying that JK Dobbins is a bad running back I'm just saying that it makes you appreciate and understand how Ohio State was able to win a national championship in 2014 because every single time Ezekiel Elliott broke the broke the plane or had a yard or two of extra room he housed it and you know this is the second time in a championship setting that JK's been caught from behind and you know this time it actually caught him and and, you know I've been talking about breakaway speed with this guy all year and those four points were big four points in my opinion so maybe I'm nuts but I mean, I'm not going to put it on. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. If you want to say you should have scored, you could. You can say that. I don't know if he ever really had an angle, but because um, that he ran from one side of the field to the other, I don't know. I, I maybe he should have scored. I don't. I don't look at that. I that never even crossed my mind that that was a play that that cost them the game. They had plenty of other. And I'm not saying cost them the game. I'm just saying it was a very critical. I mean, play any that opportunity you to score points that goes off the board is obviously important. But they were in the red zone and had four more, three more chances to score, and they didn't do it. Now he dropped the screen pass. I think it was later on that drive. He yeah, no, no that I, I don't want it to fair. come across as me saying it's JK's fault. I'm just saying when we're making parallels to the things that have to go right to win a national championship. Little breaks like that can make all the difference, and like sure. they had that weapon in 2014, and it made it, and it was a huge difference. And 
you know, I don't know. I don't know what the angle, if the angle was the reason he got caught or he was tired or, you know, or whatever. I don't know what it was. But I'm saying in, in that moment, had he scored a touchdown, I think that would have changed the game. And you can just add that yeah. one play to the list of the other 10 that we're talking about. Because to me, I thought it was a very big play. Yeah, I mean, it was a big play. I don't know. For me, it's a little farther down the list of, of missed opportunities. But it was – I mean, yeah, he could have scored. So, you know, I, I guess at this point now, um, are you – I'm kind of like in shock a little bit. And, like, the reason why I'm I'm in shock is because of how good I thought this team was. And it makes me think – and I think we need to put it into context for people – um, how in, how hard it is to just do it. You know, it's one thing to be one of the best teams in, in, in college football, to have the talent, all the things that we talk about every year after blowouts over Indiana and Purdue and on the teams that they beat by 100, to actually get onto the stage and win two games in a row or win the five in a row that Ohio State would have had to, to win. That would have been the hardest path in the history of college football to winning a national championship. Yep. And what I think is most ironic about Ohio State football is that some of the best teams in program history never did it. You've got a few teams in the late 90s that that lost games to Michigan State and Michigan inexplicably that cost them a chance to win. You have the 2005 team that lost to Texas at the beginning of the year because a tight end dropped the pass in the end zone, and then they lost another one to Penn State, I believe, and then turned out to be the, one of the best teams at the end of the year that Ohio State's ever fielded. The 2006 team went undefeated and then got – beaten up by urban meyer the 2015 team missed the playoff because they messed around with michigan state and i think you can add this team to the list of teams that were probably as good as some of the ones that won the national championship but just didn't yeah i mean this might be at the top of the list right has ohio state ever been this talented I guess I mean, we, fourteen I, if, they were this talented, but like in you fifteen have to evaluate it after the fact. I guess for draft draft. Yeah, purposes, I mean but. fifteen they were they were as. It, but if you go by if you go by the shit we've been talking about all year, the composite rankings, all that stuff, the Ohio State's never been this talented. Yeah, I don't. I, I'd be interesting if you can go back and can you look back at the blue no, chip ratio it go that, back far? that far? But if you just because, look I mean, at the like recruiting classes, if you look classes, at the 2013 class, like I would. The 13 class was great, but the classes around it weren't. I mean, the classes around it were good, but they weren't. Yeah. 17 and 18 were the two best classes Ohio State's had in the I guess from pure era. recruiting rankings, pure talent standpoint, then maybe you're right. I think in hindsight, when you look at the talent that was on that 15 team, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to convince you of anything. You understand that. and They got a title, though, too. And they got a title in 14, so maybe that makes 15 a little bit easier to swallow. But, like, when we talk about the 2017 class, the day they signed that class – I think we talked about how many national championships are they going to win. Mm-hmm. And the fact that these that the majority of that class is going to move on now without one, I think is a pretty shocking thing. And it, and it raises the next step of like what's next now for Ohio State and Ryan Day. Yeah, I'm just going to look at that class. Like Chase Young is gone. Jeffrey Akuda is gone. Sean Wade's probably gone. I would guess J.K. Dobbins is gone. And, you know, that's, that's the top end of that class. Baron Browning, I would think, is back. Wyatt Davis said he's coming back. Josh Myers is coming back. Tate Martell, we love you, buddy. Tate Martell's coming back. Tate Martell's coming back. No, he's not coming back. But yeah, the, the, that was a that was a transcendent collection of talent that Ohio State signed in 2017, and some of those guys ended up leaving before the fact. But it was the the 
heart of the roster for this season. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't want to know if I want to label it like an opportunity loss because they got to the playoff. It's like you get to the playoff, you played a really good team, and you lost by a score. And sometimes in football, you can lose by a score. And you lost by, yeah, you <laughs> lost like by the a thing score with, to like one of the best teams ever. So. And like when you're like talking about Ohio State, you're so used to blowouts and you're programmed to thinking that every single time they lose a game, it's because of something that they didn't do. And maybe that still falls under this category because of the missed opportunities, Bill. But sometimes you just lose because the other team's good. And this is one of those instances, too. I mean, Clemson did things that they deserve credit for. I mean, to me, I mean, there's some questionable calls, and you wrote a little bit about some of these, the the punt block attempt. Um, I don't know what Ohio State's thought process was when they didn't go for two after they went up 23-21. to I would have probably tried to push it to three there, and I made this point in my final thoughts, and you tell me if I'm nuts. But if Ohio State goes for it um, and gets it and makes it 24-21 and now is up by a field goal, do you think Ryan Day goes for it on fourth and fourth with three minutes left? He said that he probably would have considered it if they were up by a touchdown. I don't know if he would have done it if they were up by a field goal. If it was a situation where like the worst Clemson could do is get the ball back and tie the game, then I think he would have gone for it. Right. Um, I think it would have been easier to consider if you're up three because you don't want to give them the ball at the 40 and only have to go 30 yards to tie it. Mm-hmm. But if you have to go all the way 60 yards, you still trust your defense in that scenario. And to me, punting the ball to the six-yard line with three minutes left, being up by two points, this Ohio State defense, that's the that's a game-winning equation. Yeah, I mean, they got, they got what they wanted out of it. And I was, at the moment, I was thinking in my head, like if this game ends 23-21, that I was going to write about the journey of Ohio State's defense to get to get to that point where it's closing the door on Clemson to, to secure a bid to the national championship mm-hmm. and then bang four plays later Clemson's in the end zone and um, and it's like the, you get- the play they had the touchdown play that they called was a great play call Ohio State tried the same thing it didn't work Clemson tried it and it worked and it was just like I don't know tip your hat if you want to that was a great call Landis and I looked at each other in the press box after that and we're just like salute man that was awesome they had set it up earlier with yeah. with a quarterback run like a quarterback counter, and then it was sort of like a little jump pass kind of deal, and they snuck the running back out, and Ohio State got caught. And you want Ohio State to be more disciplined in that situation, but it was a good play call from Clemson. It was a good, aggressive play call from Clemson. We're talking about a team now that's won 29 games in a row, has won two national championships in the previous three years, and just doesn't know how to lose. And I think that for as much as you might want to – uh, naturally bang your fist on the on the table and say, how could you possibly let that team go down to four plays and score? I think you also have to respect the opponent's ability to do that. Because mm-hmm. it's not like you're in that situation against Penn State or Michigan. That's happening. That happens against Trevor Lawrence and T. Higgins and Travis Etienne and all the guys they have on that offense. It, 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 that happens from a team that is programmed to win national championships. And, you know, four plays is kind of crazy. I think maybe on the on the final play they wanted him to score. Maybe that, that point, had something to do with point, it. Yeah, at that point, it's your That best made the stat a little bit crazier, yeah. but Clemson made plays, man, and that's what they do. They made plays, and they killed Ohio State every single time Ohio State gave them extra life. And you're right. That's what that's what teams that win championships do. And, you know, if Ohio State is a step below that because they just don't have that experience, then, then maybe that's the case. But, you know, Clemson, Clemson showed you what a championship team is made of because they don't let those chances go by the wayside. What did you think of how Ryan Day, you wrote this after the game, Ryan Day's first um, loss as Ohio State's head coach, Mm -hmm. as our resident tactical (laughs) technician of football. How did you think he called the game? Uh, For the most part, okay. 
for the most part, I think he might have gotten spooked a little bit by the fact that J.K. Dobbins was hurt and Justin Fields was clearly limited as a runner. And I think he was a little bit content to put the game in the defense's hands, and I thought the defense had played well, you know, that last drive notwithstanding. I thought they certainly played well enough against Clemson for the for the first – shoot, the first uh, 45 – 50 minutes of that game – 55 minutes of that game to to win to to beat Clemson and then the last drive killed him um I thought his calls in the red zone like I said in hindsight were decent I thought um the fourth and one post pass to Olave that got him a touchdown was a was a gutsy call and and obviously the right one because they scored but I thought that showed a lot of aggressiveness from Ryan Day um I think I would have liked him to see I I I think I would have liked him like to see him be aggressive on that punt on the fourth and four from the Clemson 39-yard line with like three minutes left when they gave Clemson the ball back for the last time. I, if you, you, if you said you would have liked have to see him me, go for it, you're saying? If you would have said to me, Ohio State's going to be in this situation, what's Ryan Day going to do? I would have said he'd go for it. And he didn't do I agree. it. And I'm not saying it's the wrong call because they got what they wanted out of it. They pinned him inside the 10-yard line. Um, but I would I thought that was a little against character for Ryan Day. But Being for, four yards away from maybe putting the game away. Yeah, and four yards isn't nothing against against a good team, but and he had a hobbled running back. Like I get all that. Um, I think I would have, I would have expected him to go for it, and I'm not saying that's why they lost the game that one decision. But because it's 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 a funny juxtaposition because to me I think everybody I, I hate cowardly punts mm-hmm. and I hate cowardly field goals. I don't think anything they did was cowardly. No, I think it makes sense to play field position, and like like Drew Chrisman, like had, who had not been playing well, I thought his last three or four punts were really good, and, and he had he was at his best, and and I get wanting to put it in defense's hands, even though Clemson's offense is awesome, um, but if given the given the choice between having my offense go get four yards or putting the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands or the chance to drive and win the game, I would want to try to have my offense go get four yards. Did you think it was like it was like weird to me because it was oddly inconsistent um, at times. When Ohio State scooped and scored with Jordan Fuller, and I don't know if you picked up on this, and they were reviewing the play, they sent out the two-point conversion team. Oh, I did not notice that. On the that. field. And they were going to go for two, and I don't know, maybe if it was because earlier in the game they had more chance to recover if they miss. But then later on, when they score, they don't go for two. And it's like, it's the same score, so yeah, what was that? On fourth and two, or fourth, it's labeled fourth and one um, in the book, but the fourth and two where they threw the – a touchdown pass to Olave on the post. I thought mm-hmm. it was a, you and I both looked at each other just went stones, man. Yeah, it's like stones in that situation, but stones not when. Yeah, and it just like to me, it was like there were sometimes where it was like Ryan Day's a crazy scientist, and then oh, Ryan Day's playing it safe, and it's like I don't know like what the coaching manual says about this stuff, but it's like either you're one or the other. So I feel sometimes, and it's just like if you want to play it safe, then play it safe, but don't send your team to go block a punt and then rough the kicker. And then later on, punt when you have it. Like it's like aggressive or not, and it felt yeah. wishy washy to me. Yeah, and, he, uh, he, you know, he maybe on, you'd pick your spots, Bill. Yeah, he was on both know. sides. Like he, it, the Penn State game was like that, and and at the time, and we talked about it. I agreed. I agreed with pulling it back a little bit because it was pretty obvious that your defense, I think, was going to win that game for you if you put them in that position. While Ohio State's defense was playing good on Saturday night, I don't know if I felt the same way. Um. And I agree with you. There could have been a little more consistency in approach. And uh, I like aggressive. I think Ryan Day is predisposed to being aggressive. 
and maybe he got caught up in his own head a little bit trying to make some of those decisions. But I agree, there was it wasn't consistent. And, and you have to also take into the, the fact that different. I think it's possible that Justin Fields was more banged up than we thought he was. Mm-hmm. He looked it to me. Um, he had that one run um, when he first was the first half, or I forget, for, I forget what when exactly it happened. Like, but he came out. He came out on a scramble and he was running in the middle of the field. And I think I. It must have been earlier in the game. I think I said to you and I actually turned around the Jerry Emig, the SID, and I said, I think he scores there if he doesn't have an e-brace on. Yeah, you, you said it to me. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I don't know what I feel about Justin Fields because that one play where he was in the Looney Tunes cloud of dust and it looked like he was about to get sacked and then he comes out and runs for a first down and um, gets up and flashes the first down sign, you know, mm-hmm. like that, like a badass, you know, like first down with the arm. That was really the only memorable play he made to me in the entire game. I thought he was pretty good on the last drive and a couple of throws. He threw the one over the middle to KJ Hill. I think he had another another ball over the middle. Not um, that he didn't make good passes, but yeah, memorable like signature plays that you need from your quarterback in this scenario. <clears throat> Uh, I mean, if the first interception he threw was a bad ball, he didn't see the safety in the middle of the field. Um, I thought that there were times where he probably forced a throw because under normal circumstances, if he's a hundred percent healthy, he would have just ran and got the yards of high state needed. I don't know if he was capable of doing that. Um, he played with the big knee brace on, even though he said he didn't want to. Um, I thought that was a telling sign that he wasn't going to be exactly where he needed to be in that game. That said, I, th- I still thought he played well. And I think throughout the entire year, really, we've seen flashes of Justin Fields in late-game situations that suggest to me that he's going to be able to make the plays Ohio State needs him to make when, when Ohio State finds itself in that position. I know he threw the pick that ended the game. I don't think it was his fault. It was just a mix-up between he and Chris Olave, mm-hmm. and Fields threw the ball where it should have been thrown. It just so happens that like his guy wasn't there because Olave took the, the blame for that. He did, and yeah. you know, and, and I wasn't in the locker room, but I saw the, the video, and I know you were in there. Um, and that I even mean, it takes a lot for a kid like Chris Olave to sit in there and in, in that locker room with cameras and recorders in his face and 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 admit to that that it was his fault. And like it wasn't his fault they lost the game. I know he said that, but but that was his mis- miscue on that on that particular play. Um, but I thought I actually thought Justin Fields is pretty good considering the fact that he was so limited. Could he have made one or two more plays? Sure. Um, did Trevor Lawrence make one or two more plays than than did Justin Fields is? Absolutely, especially with his legs. Um, but I thought given his limitations, field Fields played pretty well. I guess the 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 point I'm trying to drive home, and maybe this is I think, and I'm ready to say it after one year, I think that Justin Fields is Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. If that's the direct line comparison, but I think this kid's a stud. I think he's a star, and I think he is going to be a top fifteen pick next year. Yeah, I think so too. And on the same field as another top ten, top ten pick, he was outshined by the other quarterback, in my opinion. And maybe that was because he was hurt and he had this big bulky knee brace on, or he hadn't been in the scenario. And Trevor Lawrence already won a national championship, but Lawrence to me was the star of the game. Hmm. And I don't know. I mean, that sixty-seven yard he touchdown. Made two, he run, made two really good plays with his legs. He the, made two huge plays with his legs. Um, like their game-winning touchdown was a good play call where he threw the ball three feet and the guy ran fifty-seven yards, whatever it was. So I thought he was good. I thought he was better than than Fields. I don't. I don't know if I would agree with like outshine. I thought it was. Pretty close 
because I think if Justin Fields is healthy, he has his own 50-yard touchdown run, and he just wasn't right. healthy. Right, no, no, and maybe it's because of his leg. But the, the segue to the, the thought that I'm going to make now is I think next year he is going to break through and become a bona fide star in this game. Quick break here to talk to you guys about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is never easy. Usually guys just brush it off or blame themselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or they avoid the topic altogether. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com AB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash AB to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash AB for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash AB. Yeah, it's always interesting when guys are in Justin Fields' position when like you're a Heisman finalist, you have a crazy season, and you come back for one more year as a starter. And then I think oftentimes guys don't quite live up to what you think they're going to be. And there's a lot of pressure on those guys, and, and sometimes they're even coming off national championships like Trevor Lawrence was last year, and he struggled at the beginning of this year. Um, I'm not saying it's a good thing that Ohio State lost, but I think that I'm less on alert for that because Ohio State lost. I also think that for whatever reason, as great as Field was, I mean, the guy was a Heisman finalist this year, Bill. I also feel like we have only scratched the surface mm-hmm. of his potential physically. Yep. And that's part of the reason I, I think that – I might sound harsh right now. I kind of feel like I, I did after the FAU game a little bit where I'm kind of like giving him some shit. I'm not, you know, glowing about him. And I think this time it's rooted in different in a different way. In the beginning of the year, it was rooted in doubt. And now it's rooted in potential. And I, I, I think that for what he is and who he is physically, the team he has around him, I think that there is a whole other level of stardom excitement and just downright awesomeness to come from this quarterback. And it's a shame yeah. that he was beaten up. I mean, you you could pick it's the team this good and you you can sit here and pick 15 different things. We could list them all right now. What if what if his knee well, was It's just okay? crazy. It's just What like if Trevor, Jobbins never got hurt? Trevor Lawrence outshines Justin Fields because Justin Fields threw a bad ball that a safety picked off. Trevor Lawrence threw a bad ball that hit off Tough Borland's hands because he didn't read the zone defense the right way. It just like shit yeah, broke, no, shit broke Clemson's yeah. way and didn't break Ohio State's way. And because of that, I th- you obviously come out of it feeling a little different. Borland would have walked into the end zone there probably. Well, well maybe not Borland. But he's, yeah, I don't know if he has the wheels for that one. But uh, I mean, he would have had a 20-yard head start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And that was a, I thought that was a really good defensive scheme because they changed up that that little blitz they do with, with Sean Wade off the edge and dropped Tough Borland back in the coverage. Maybe if it's Baron Browning, it's, it's, a, it's a big momentum swinging play. Um, but it wasn't. It was just an incomplete pass, and and Clemson moved on from that. And Ohio State's when Ohio State's quarterback made a similar poor decision, the ball got picked off. Seating, it matters too. Yeah, no kidding. You know, everybody's like, "Who gives a shit what the seating is? You're in the playoff. Go play a game." Well, that's what you get because Ohio State beats the crap out of Oklahoma. Yeah, I think I think if Oklahoma plays any of the three other teams, it looks like what it looked like against LSU. Yeah, and you put yourself in a position. To go in there and get to the national championship game, and that's what this is about. Beating 
Clemson and LSU back-to-back, man, that would – you want to talk about the word undisputed? <laughs> man, that, I, it's just – that's another thing you can add to the list. And as we're sitting here right now, I want to, like, do final thoughts part two because there's a lot of things that I didn't put in there. But it, it, it just – it seems to me sitting here right now, Ryan Day said this a few times during the, the media – during the week. He said – I don't want this to be over with, mm-hmm. or I don't want this to end, or it seems too soon. And as a reporter of this team, neither of us lost a second of sleep because of what happened. But as somebody who's followed this team closely, and you know, you go into a four-month bubble where this team is your life, it does feel very odd to me that it's over. Yeah, it feels abrupt. I guess abrupt. maybe it's, maybe it's an well because only because. You know, if they've gotten if they gotten killed or or lost by a few scores and you saw it coming, like I thought up until there were three minutes left in the game and and Travis Etienne runs that screen pass in for a touchdown, I thought they were going to win. Um, and then it flips so quickly, and even when they're marching, I thought they were going to win. I thought they were going to win when they were marching at the end when they threw. That and they pick. designed the route that yeah. that would have worked. I think. I, think I, I thought. What did you think of the decision to go for the touchdown there? You score, you're giving Clemson a ball back with like 40 seconds left. And you had been marching down the field like a little, little. I mean, by they were little, leaving the had, flats open, and you had a timeout. They were left. given like the thing I loved about it was, and somebody who watches the NFL for financial reasons sometimes, <laughs> um, it reminds me of Philip Rivers. Oh yeah, um, and how he's in the purgatory, and I may even tweeted this during the game, but Philip Rivers seems to have the ball back with down a score six or less with a minute and thirty seconds left in the game every week, no matter yeah. what. And I've watched a lot of those situations. And I feel like the Chargers always try to get it back at once. And I loved that Ohio State was taking what a hundred a minute and forty nine seconds left, where they have two or three timeouts. They had two timeouts. Two timeouts. All the time in the world. Mm-hmm. And they were taking what Clemson was giving nine yards here, ten yards there, eleven yards here, moving the ball, getting out of bounds, first downs. I thought that they measured the the, the drive was beautiful. Yep, beautifully measured. Um. But I don't know if they got to the 23 and days like, all right, let's go get this thing. Or if that was just what was there based on what they were seeing. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to I, – I wouldn't dare credit – because there's a chance that they could have thrown a touchdown pass there and they could have lost by two at the end. Like, I mean, who knows? Maybe Clemson would have had 30 seconds left and they could have gotten in field goal range. We've seen – they would have had 33 seconds left. Something like that, yeah. You know, crazy stuff happens in the sport. But um, I didn't really give it much thought, to be honest. No, I didn't. I didn't know. I, I saw somebody tweet about it um, this morning when I was looking at some stuff, and uh, I thought it was an interesting point to bring up. But if you think you have a matchup there where you can score a game-winning touchdown, I don't know. If you go you're, for I don't it. know if you're considering mm-hmm. like, oh, they're going to get the ball back thirty seconds. I think you just go for it. And that matchup had been good to them earlier earlier in the game when Olave scored. So maybe it goes back to what you said about the inconsistent thing. That was a pretty aggressive play call. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe being inconsistent in that way keeps the defense off balance or the other team off balance. Um, maybe you don't have to go all in or all out, but it just seemed odd to me that like aggressive by nature didn't always rear its head out. At it the did right not. Game. It yeah. did not. Um, it did. Like I, I told everybody after the Michigan game, I thought it definitely did in the Michigan game, and it did at times against Clemson. And I know it's balance, um, and it's probably a learning experience for Ryan Day too. Although I, I mean, I asked him about the. Uh, punting on fourth and four at the end of the game and he said uh he said i'd do it again so he wasn't second guessing yeah. himself which i guess is a good thing but i also think decisions compound 
like to me, I do think that going for two, uh, not going for two compounds into what you might do later, mm-hmm. you know, and one decision turns into another one. And at that time, up to you punt it 100 times out of 100, I think. Yep. I don't know. 50 out of 100? 50 out of 100, <laughs> yeah. 50-50. I don't, I don't think anybody would sit there and go, what the hell is he doing punting it there? Like, if you are, no, then I don't, you're not. No, I don't think anyone was saying that it's either. It's fair to question it, but I, I, it was a very yeah. reasonable thing to do. I think most coaches would have done that. Dabo, yeah. Dabo did it a couple of times. There were times during the game where Dabo was punting the ball. I'm like, I don't know if I'd punt here, punt here, but, yeah. you know, playing field position, I guess, in the end worked for them. Yeah. So. You think there's a window? Like, what, what's the what's the window situation here with this team, with, with the talent we think they're going to lose, especially on defense? Well, my whole mantra is there is no window when you keep signing top five classes. Yeah, but, but I do it. think that Justin Fields is special. And, you know, I know Ohio State's gone from Terrell Pryor to Braxton Miller to JT Barrett to Cardale Jones to, you know, whatever. Dwayne Haskins, I know every year there seems to be a new guy. Mm-hmm. But finding a quarterback, even though Ohio State's had a nice long string of them, is always a very essential, crucial, hard thing to do. And when you have a transcendent talent, who I, th- I think Justin Fields is going to play in the NFL for a long time. Yep. Um, I I just think... I think Ohio State will make the playoff next year in my way too early predictions. I think they lose a lot of talent, and I'm wondering about certain positions like running back and defensive back for next year. Um, but I do think that they have a they'll have remnants of that 17 class back again next year. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have a transcendent talent and quarterback. They'll have stacked receivers. It seems like the offensive line got. Out. Everybody coming back that could have come back, which is huge. Yep. I anticipate that their offense will be every bit as good as it was this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they piece together what they're going to do with their new defensive coordinator and who's coming back there, they got to piece together a secondary. I think that they have a window of opportunity based on just the offense that they're bringing back next year to be on this stage again in 12 months. Yep. Um, and when you talk about window, if window is a thing, then Justin Fields is the window, not the 17 class anymore. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think their offense is going to be awesome next year, um, and the offensive line coming back is a huge part of that. I like you have questions about running back. I almost I'm I'm on a little bit of alert, and this is just me speculating. It's not based on anything. If J.K. Dobbins goes pro, and I think you and I think at the moment that he will, I wonder if Ohio State might look in the transfer portal for a running back. Um, not to say that I don't think Master Teague is ready, but clearly there's a difference in terms of dynamic ability there, and you know people like Marcus Crowley too, and he was hurt, so maybe he can be the guy next year. But there's a there's a drop off there at running back if JK leaves. Um, otherwise, they're going to be great. I think they'll I think they'll be arguably better at receiver. You don't have a KJ Hill, but I think they'll be more explosive and more athletic at receiver. Justin Fields. I think I Olave think. becomes KJ Hill. Yeah, not Just, the same position, but reliability. same reliability. Yeah. yeah, Justin Fields is a generational potentially quarterback talent. Um, I think they'll be really good on that side. I got a good play caller. I think they'll be great. And the defensive losses, you know, you're going to lose first-round picks in the back end and Sean Wade and, and Jeffrey Okuda, and that's not nothing. But I've also liked a little bit of what I've seen from Cam Brown and Seven Banks and Amir Reap this year. And there'll be a drop-off, but I don't think it'll be so steep that, that Ohio State's going to be in a position where it's not going to be right back on the same stage next Clemson year. Clemson lost said. a ton of talent after last year, and look what they're doing. You know, yeah. I mean, that's and if we want, to put them in, yeah. we want to put them in that category, my column after the game was on a night that they feel like they lost everything. I feel like they took a step forward. Um, I think uh, you would agree with that from a program perspective. If they're not in the top tier with Alabama and Clemson and that that constant program ranking that we do, mm-hmm. they're a half step closer than they were before the night started, in my opinion. Yep. Um, 
and through the recruiting rankings and what they just signed in 2020. Um, I think they're going to try to get another defensive back if they can't hold on to Cam Martinez. And, you know, we'll get into all this stuff in the next few weeks. But, you know, it, they seem built for this. So, you know, I think that you got to feel good about Ryan Day being the answer. And the thing that's so funny to me too, Bill, and I know that we talk all the time about Ryan Day, but if you, like, look around college football and, and, and programs that are in transition, finding a head coach is so freaking hard. <laughs> and you know what I wanted to say. Finding the right head coach is so hard, and so many programs have lost their identities and have fired and tried to find the right guy. And the fact that Ohio State knows now that they lost Urban Meyer and they have the guy that they know can build this, that is an invaluable thing to learn about your team. Yeah. And I know that it's yeah. depressing that Ohio State didn't win a national championship. I know fans want to bang their heads against the wall after how that game played out last uh, on Saturday night. But, man, they're in a good spot. Yeah, I think they're in a good spot. And, like, Ryan Day – I don't think Ryan Day was perfect by any stretch this year, and I, I know he'd, he'd say the same thing. But you're judging him on, one, can he get his team prepared in a way to get to this stage? And then, number two, does he look overwhelmed once he's on it? And I don't, I don't think he did. Um, the way can, he had his team playing in the first half made me th- – that's what makes me say this. Yep. Those guys were playing like the 14 team. Were they not? They were playing lights out, and then they had a, an incredibly wild, unpredictable momentum swing that did take the life out of them for a little bit, and they had to regroup. Yeah. Do you think Day should have been better at getting his team to move on from that? Do you Can you put that on the coach, or is it just natural that a team – I mean, I thought they did eventually move on from it. I, I, I suppose you'd like to see them do it quicker. I don't, like, There's nothing in the, in, the, in the handbook, I think, about that, so – Maybe in hindsight, you, you would want to come back a little bit quicker, but I thought second half they came out and they were pretty good. They withstood the flurry that made it, made it 16-14 at halftime, and then I thought they were pretty good from that point in terms of handling the, the swings. I agree. So, who do you think is going to win the national championship? Clemson. I know what, I know one thing. If, if LSU is given four and a half, I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't know. I still think I thought I said to you during the during the game. I thought Clemson's defense looked a little slow. Yeah, um, but they're pretty sound for the most part. Yeah, I mean and maybe I Joe Burrow is just like Brett, uh, Aaron Rodgers right now, and he's the best quarterback to ever play college football, and is going to he just crazy. torch Clemson and win a national title. I don't know. I don't know who. It's I hard. Think. It's still, I didn't really watch the Oklahoma game. To be honest, I don't want to. I just, I, I would want, I'd like to uh, not be one of these people who overreacts to one game. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's going to be a gross overreaction to what they did to Oklahoma. When I think Oklahoma, in reality, was a marginal football team. Yes. Um, And I think it's going to have an impact on how much points are given. And if there's an overreaction and there's a three point difference between what the spread should be and what it's going to be. Based on that overreaction, then you just take the points and then let it ride. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. I think I might pick Clemson too, but I think it's. I think like again, it's going to be. There were three great teams in this playoff, and Ohio State had the had the unfortunate circumstance of having to play one of the other ones in the semifinals. Yep, and Clemson. Good to Clemson to, for getting through it too. You know, but when we were in the concourse after the game last night, guys, we were. I looked at Bill and I said, I think this team could beat LSU. And he said, they belong on the field. 
you know, that's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. I had fun this season. I thought this was a fun team to cover. Yeah. Well, how much of your fun had to do with who you work with? Uh, some. I had a really fun time, too. I thought it was very interesting. I thought the kids were great. Um, the coaching staff was friendly. Everything was going well, so there was never any tension. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, two years ago, it wasn't that fun to cover. <laughs> um, but, you know, this will go down as one of the best teams in Ohio State history that didn't win it. And it's just a hard thing to swallow sometimes. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be – this will be a forever thing, I think. Well, I guess it'll, it'll depend on what happens, I suppose, in a national championship. Maybe if, if LSU houses Clemson. I don't know. I don't know what's the what's the what's the worst possible outcome for Ohio State fans? It's a Clemson beats LSU, right? If Clemson beat the shit out of LSU, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if Clemson gets on the same field as LSU and like just isn't up to snuff and gets gets beat by a couple scores, maybe you're not feeling as or seething as much about this game for as long as you will be. But um, I think this will be a forever kind of thing. It was yeah. a weird. It was a weird game. Weird game. Bad breaks. And in the end, they'll have to probably social one. Yeah, better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. So where are we at time-wise here, Bill? I think it's time to go to the airport. Okay, well, before we do this, um, I'm a terrible host. This was 4-6 to six with A and B. <laughs> Thank you this so much was. for listening. Um, rate, subscribe, review our podcast wherever you're listening to it. If you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, I don't know what you're doing with your life, uh, but there's a chance to fix it by going to theathletic.com slash 4-6, get 40% off of all of our coverage. We had Andy Staples here, Stuart Mandel was here, Grace Rayner, the wonderful Grace Rayner who covers Clemson was here. We had a ton of coverage on The Athletic from this game. We, we will continue with a ton of coverage on Ohio State football, what's next, um, recruiting, how they're going to finish this class. Um, you know all the all the next things that come in a, in a January uh, for football, and uh, we'll be around. So, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast, um, our endeavor at the Athletic, and everything else. And um, we'll catch you around. I'm, I don't know what our podcast schedule is going to be, Bill. I don't know if you have any insight on that. No, I think I uh, I would imagine a brief break, probably just because we're traveling. So this might hold you over for the rest of this week, and then then we'll figure it out and get back into it. Because it's not like, like you said, there's coaching changes, there's recruiting, there's uh, spring football is only like two months what, away, six weeks away, um, yeah, seven weeks away, something like that. Um, yeah, so we're not we're not taking any kind of extended break. We'll be back with you. We got we got to figure out the the plan for the quote unquote off season, but we're not going anywhere. Okay, so for Bill Landis, I'm Ari Wasserman. Thanks so much. That was four to six with A and B.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.